Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. All right. So we're in a series right now, as it were, I guess. It's it's not a book series, which is what I typically do on Wednesday nights. As you know, we go through a book at a time, and we preach that exegetically. Um, I'm still going to go through blocks of Scripture, um, but we're in a series right now called He Is. And I just want us to know the God we serve. That's so important. It, how can we know who we are if we don't know who we belong to? You know, most of my physical identity in my early years was was placed around what I understood of my papa, what I knew him to be, what I expected him to be, the solidarity, the the man that he was. That's that's who I built myself around. That's that's what I knew. That was the tangible evidence to what I later learned is the way that God loves us, um, but more perfectly. And so how can we know who we are if we don't know who we serve? That's the question that we're trying to answer. Um, the fact is, the matter is, we can't. And so we should constantly be striving to figure out who he is. And so we've been talking about that. We're going to talk about that for a few more weeks. I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of enjoying this time together. I hope that you are. Last week, um, we talked uh, about how he is knowable. That we serve a God that is knowable. Like we can know him and we should search after him and all of these things that in his, in the state of being knowable, we know that he deserves our worship. We know that he deserves to be praised. We know that he is magnificent, all of these things. But, but more specifically, and it's what I want to talk about today, is that through knowing him, we should know or come to an understanding that he is infinitely greater than anything our finite mind has has the ability to grab a hold of. And infinitely greater isn't even big enough words. Just enormously more superior than anything that we face is the God that we serve. You want to know who you serve? You serve a God that is superior to all things. And if you don't serve him, let me tell you, the God that you're not serving is superior to the problems that you have. If you are serving him, the God that you serve is superior to all the problems that you have. He is above all and in all and through all. Amen? He is awesome. He is incredible. I wish I could, all the adjectives that I could attach to the God that we serve that are positive and, and increase his glory and increase his understanding in our minds and in the minds of the people around us. Those are, there's, there's still not enough adjectives. There's not enough words in the human language to explain the magnificence of the God that we serve. And so I, I'm pretty excited about this um, particular lesson because I, I don't know about y'all, but I need a God bigger than me. If I had to count on a God that was as big as me, then I could just take care of myself, and what, what would I need him for? But the fact of the matter is, he's so much bigger than me that my mind can't even comprehend how big he is, how magnificent he is, how beautiful he is, how loving he is, how knowable he is. Amen? And so I, I put on, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read. I don't know that I'm going to do a lot of teaching today as much as I am just going to declare out of the word 
from Isaiah 40 today. And I'm going to talk about that in just a few moments. But before I do that, I want to set this precedence that the fact that God is greater is not unfamiliar verbiage in Scripture. It says in Psalms 96, 4, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I want you to pay attention to that. Psalms 104, 1, bless the Lord, O my soul. O my God, O Lord, my God, you are very great. How great? Very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. Psalms 150, verse 2, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Psalms 145, 3, great. And I'm not trying to overdo it. I can't overdo it. I'm just trying to show you that there's evidence within Scripture that God is great. 145.3, great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Everybody listen to that. His greatness is unsearchable, which means it's infinite. There's no end to it. There's no way that we can comprehend it. He deserves, because of his greatness, to be praised. His greatness should cause us to respond properly. How do we respond to God? Through praise. All of these verses, with the exception of one that I just read you, says he is great and deserves to be praised. The more you know about God, the more you should be drawn into worship about God. If you say that I know much more than I used to, but your worship hasn't changed, you haven't really had a revelation of who God is. If you're not a worshiper by proxy of the fact that you begin to understand even remotely who God is, then you don't understand who God is. Because understanding who God is builds a heart of praise in his people. Because you look at the word and you should be just blown away by it. The fact that he knows you intimately, that he hasn't forgotten you, that his, he's numbered the hairs on your head, he knows all the stars in the sky, all of these things that we're going to talk about tonight should cause you to go, Man, that's what I'm talking about. I don't have control of anything, but praise the Lord, he has control of everything. And because he has control of everything, who am I to worry about anything? Amen? And so that's, that's really what I want to do today. I just want to explain out of Scripture, or not even explain, more declare out of Scripture, what the Scripture says. And so I'm in Isaiah 40. And I'm going to start in verse 12. And I'm going to break these down into sections for you. The first thing I'm going to tell you, verses 12 through 17, and I'm going to read them to you, is that God is infinitely greater. He is enormously more superior than any created thing. So here it goes. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by, by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure, and weighed the mountains in a balance, and the hills in a pair of scales. This isn't just poetic language for no purpose. This is for a purpose. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord, or is his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult, and who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and informed him of the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn. That's not this Lebanon. That's another Lebanon. Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. 
all the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. So that's a lot of stuff. But if you'll break these verses down, what he's saying is the God is enormously more superior than any created thing. No waters that have been created are greater. No heavens are greater. No earth, no mountains, hills. No, no who, no whom, nor who. Nations, islands, forests of Lebanon, beasts within those forests. Nothing is greater than the God that we serve. There is nothing greater that he created that is greater than that which created it. It's impossible. I can't create something and have that created thing be greater than me. Because it flows from me, it must be lesser than me. Amen? And so the waters, first, he, talk, he says he measures it all in the hollow of his hand. This is poetic language, but it speaks to the enormity of God, and it's true. If he created it, he can hold it. If you'll look in the palm of your hand, everybody look in the palm of your hand. Your palm of your hand will hold somewhere around a tablespoon of water before it starts to leak out. But the ocean covers two-thirds of the earth, and in some places is six foot deep, and God holds it all in his hand. Let me tell you, that's significant. Every amount of water is smaller. There's no energy that the ocean creates that God isn't greater than. He holds it in his hand, which means he controls it. He hasn't allowed it to, to do anything other than what he designed it to do. You know why? Because he's incredibly greater, infinitely greater than the water. He is infinitely greater than the heavens. Imagine the God, if it's possible, that can mark the heavens by the span of his hand. You guys ever looked up at the sky? What you see in the sky is so much less than what is in the sky. If you've ever been to a desert or been anywhere where there's not light for miles and miles and miles around, you will literally see columns and blankets, and layers of stars. And God measures them all by the breadth of his hand. But even what you can see is so much less than what is actually there. The greatest, the nearest star, I'm just going to throw some numbers at you, blow your mind, I want you to pay attention to this, because as big as this is, it's not as big as the God that you serve. The nearest star beside the sun is 4.5 light years away. Now, that doesn't mean anything to us. Right? The number's too big. So what does that mean? A light year is the same time a year that it takes for light to travel at 186,000 miles per second. So light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Now, however many seconds are in a minute, however many minutes are in an hour, how many hours are in a day, how many days are in a week, however many weeks are in a month, and months in a year, add all of those up per second at 186,000 miles per second, that's 26 trillion miles. I know. What? And that's the nearest star to us. Our God is incredibly large, incredibly capable, incredibly and infinitely greater. The observable universe, just the observable universe, 
is 93 billion light years. I know. I could just be done right now. Y'all should be able to contemplate on that for the rest of the week, the rest of your life, and still never grab a hold of it. But it's not even significant. The size of it isn't significant, except that God is bigger than. And he measures it by the breadth of his hand. From here to here, God measures it. He hung every star in the sky and knows them all by name, knows exactly what they're made of, what color they are. The smallest planet and the smallest universe, the smallest solar system in the, in, the, in the entire universe. God knows what it's made of, what it looks like. On that smallest planet, the smallest solar system, he knows the smallest rock and what it looks like and where it casts a shadow in the middle of the day. Your God knows everything. But you know what's incredible? Not the fact that he weighs it in his hand, but that in knowing everything, he determined to know you too. Man, that's good. People say, man, the universe is too big. There's got to be new life there. There's got to be other life in the universe. I don't know that that's true. If the universe exists for no other reason than to show us how big God is, then I think it's just big enough to just show us. Amen? I don't, honestly, I don't care if there's other life in the universe. I know he cared about this life right here. He cared about this life in this room. He cares about you. He sees you. Some star a billion light years away means less to him than you. You know why I know that? Because he gave the most precious commodity in the universe so that you might belong to him, the blood of his son, Jesus. God is infinitely greater. I'm trying to just build some confidence in us to let us know God hasn't forsaken us. God hasn't forgotten us. He's so much bigger than us, but determined to focus on us anyway. He's bigger than the heavens. He's bigger than the earth, mountains, and hills, according to verse 12. All of it, a small amount to him. It's a, it's a small container. 12b reads like this. And calculated the dust of the earth by the measure. The measure, it's like, that means a, a small container. And weighed the mountains in the balance and the hills on a pair of scales. He's just out here, these big mountains, you think that big a deal? These hills, they don't mean nothing. I've stood on some very large mountaintops. God overlooks them. He's transcendent above them. He's greater than them. And he loves you. No one gives him counsel. In verse 13 and 14, who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or as his counselor has informed him? Well, with whom did he consult? And who gave him understanding? These are questions we should ask ourselves. When we think we're so smart, when we think we're so big, I feel like many of us should be like Job and be asked, who are you? Are you going to give God counsel? You think your understanding's better? You think you're wiser than the Spirit of God that He placed inside of you that you know better? Maybe you should seek revelation instead of keeping your mouth open all the time. Maybe you should keep your ear open all the time. There's somebody in here. <laughs> but amen? I love how He talks to Job. He lays it down for Job. I mean, let me read this to you. In Job 38, verse 4. Where were you 
Let's do a sermon title. Where were you? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurement since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? Or what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? Verse 8, who enclosed the sea with doors? Then bursting forth, it went out from the womb. Have you ever, verse 12, have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place? Have you? Who are you? There's no who's counseling God or whom's count, whom are you or who, who's, who's given God understanding. There's none of that. We have nothing to offer God except for the sin that made us need him. Who have you who have entered into the springs of the sea? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. Imagine if God asked you questions like that, but started like this in verse 3. This is how he starts his conversation with Job. And if this doesn't freak you out, you can't be freaked out. Now gird up your loins like a man. And I will ask you, and you will instruct me. So he's saying, stand up, boy. Y'all ever look at your kids? Say, stand up, boy. You think you know so much. Won't you teach me a little something? You know what our proper response to God's greatness because of all these things that he did should be? Should be worship. Should be fear. Should be reverence. Should be silence in the presence of the Almighty except for to say that you are worthy and I am not. Because he is worthy and we are not. But he determined a base and set his love on us anyway. How great is that? How infinitely greater than anything we can comprehend is that God. That in our turmoil, in our struggle, in all the stuff that we deal with, God, at the end of it all, as Caleb's saying, is standing there with his arms wide open and says, you've tried it all. I'm still here. I was here while you were going through it. I was here before you went through it. Do you see me now? Stand up. And I might address you like a man. Man, that's big. That causes fear in me. But a reverential fear that causes me to want to fall on my face. Because I understand, like Isaiah understood, whoa, I am unclean. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. But God says, no, you're here because I made provision for you to be here. That's the infinite God we serve. Man, isn't that good? That is good. Nations, Lebanon, or any beast within, according to verses 17, he's greater than all of them. We worry so much about so many things that don't matter. 15 through 17, read like this. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. You guys ever buy fruit at the grocery store? Vegetables, something like that, you got to put it on the scale. Do you get your rag out first, make sure there's no dust in it because you don't want the dust to tip the scale? No, you don't because dust don't matter. Dust doesn't weigh anything. It's irrelevant. That's what he's saying. Y'all all worried about what's going on in the world. It's nothing. It's irrelevant. It's not going to tip the scale according to what my plan is anyway. Why don't you just leave it to me? It's regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. And behold, he lifts up the islands like the dust, even Lebanon, which is the forest of Lebanon, which were a lush, thick forest, is not enough to burn. 
nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. He's so magnificent, so glorious, you can't build a fire enough or offer enough stuff to his satisfaction. You know what he wants from you? He wants more than your sacrifice. He wants your worship. That's how great God is. God says, I'm bigger than all of these things. Why are you worried about Democrats and Republicans? Why are you worried about what the Supreme Court's doing? Why are you worrying about all this kind of stuff? Don't you know the Bible says that I hold it all in the palm of my hand, that I move the hearts of kings in my own hand? Trust the Lord God Almighty to be who the Word says that He is, which is absolutely above anything you can comprehend. But at least we can grab a hold of some idea which should offer us some peace and some comfort when everything seems to be going on crazy around us. All the world's powers mean nothing. Man, watch the news. Man, is Russia going to invade the Ukraine? Maybe. Is it going to move God from his throne in any kind of way? It's not. Well, what happens if North Korea attacks us or bombs us or something like that? One, they're going to regret it. But even if they did, if we die tomorrow, we're going to die at some point. And yet we walk around letting these things bother us because we fail to understand that God is bigger than all of these things. God's bigger than addiction, relationship issues, depression. God is bigger than financial problems. God is bigger than all of these things. He's infinitely greater than all of these things, every created thing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is bigger than those things. But he didn't in there. Isaiah didn't in there. That's just the created stuff. That's the stuff that God made. He then goes on to say in 18 through 20, God is infinitely greater than any idol. Let me read this to you. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likens, likeness will you compare with him? As for the idol, a craftsman casts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, a silversmith fashions chains of silver. And who is too impoverished for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. And let me tell you, that person is wasting their time and their money because God is bigger than all of those things. He is more incredible. How are you going to put your faith in a piece of wood or something cast out of silver or gold? Well, <laughs> you're right, Pastor. That's stupid. But you put your faith in your job, that's an idol in your life. Put a faith in your relationship, that's an idol in your life. You put faith in your own ability, that's an idol in your life. What you've done is you've carved out something in the likeness of God. It doesn't have to be tangible. It's just something that you've given more time and energy to than you give God. And let me tell you, there's a curse for that. Exodus 23 through 5 says this, You shall have no other gods before me. Small g gods. I think it would do us all some really, really good to stop, ask ourselves, what have I made bigger than God in my life? What problem have I made bigger than God in my life? Because according to this, we shouldn't do that. God is bigger than all those things. Give him his place. Well, let me take that back. He's already got his place. How about you just submit to his place? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall may not make for yourself any idol. 
Everybody say any idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth or beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord God, am a jealous God. You want to make sure that you don't have what you need? Put your trust in something other than the God that can fulfill your need. Man, you know what? I'm lonely. I'm going to find a relationship. I'm going to go find somebody keep my bed warm at night. There's a curse for that. And you'll be cursed for that. Insert sin that you've determined to make bigger than God. Insert anything that isn't a sin that you determined to make bigger than God becomes a sin. Man, that's a hard word. Because we are, we are master craftsmen. Are we not? Man, I can't, I can't, I can't go to church, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna get sick. And if we get sick, can we believe our God is greater? I can't go to work because I might get sick. If you get sick, can you believe your God is greater? He is. You know, pastor, people are dying. I know people are dying. Which is exactly why I'm standing here. Because as we realize that God is greater, we realize that there's only one answer to the fact that people are dying, and that's Jesus Christ. And if we isolate ourselves, if we allow our Christian bubble to become so insulated that we still talk to people outside of our faith, then what we've done is we've made our own comfort an idol, and we're cursed for that. God's greater than all of these things. He's infinitely greater than all of these things says he's infinitely greater than authority, 21 through 26. Do you not know, have you not heard, that it has not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. It's he who sits above the circle of the earth. It's he who sits above the circle of the earth. I'm going to say that several more times or I feel like I should because you realize that you don't sit above the circle of the earth when you realize he does. Take yourself off of God's throne. It ain't your throne. It's he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. And let me tell you, if you want to know if the Bible's true, you know, when Isaiah was written, they thought the earth was flat. But it's he who sits above the circle. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted. Scarcely have they been sown. Talking about authorities. Scarcely have their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them, and they wither, and the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes up on high and see who has created the stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. He's talking about authority. He said, there's no king, no ruler, no president, no congressman, no Supreme Court justice, no nothing that matters. No sooner than they take root, I could blow on them and they'd be gone. Why are you worried about them? Don't worry about them. Keep your eye on me. 
Don't worry about any authority except for the authority that I am. I am the great I am. I am the sovereign. I am capable. I am strong enough for you. Don't get sidetracked by all the geopolitical craziness. Accept the fact that God is God. God is capable. He is greater than whatever is going on in the world. And he sits above the earth and watches it as transcendent, which means that he has a perspective over you that you could never hope to have for yourself. That's the great thing about God's transcendent perspective. He's above us. You know why generals take the high ground when they, when they look over a battleground? Because they can see more, because they have a greater perspective, because they understand from horizon to horizon what's going to happen based on the way things are going and what they know and what they can see. And let me tell you, they don't see as well as God sees because he sees the end and the beginning. He's been in both and is in both at the same time because he's not bound by time. If you want to know what God's doing, just ask God because he's not, not only doing it, but he's already done it and going to do it all at the same time. You're all, what? I don't know either. I told you he's so great I can't get my hand around him either. But I know what the Word says. Word says I don't have to worry about that. Word says God takes care of that. Amen? God is good, and he's good all the time. So anyway, greater than any idol, greater than any authority. His infinite greatness over authority is seen in his ability to deal with them. And I'm going to end on 27 through 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? You know what he is? He's greater than the sin in your life. And any unforgiven sin, any unrepentant sin goes unforgiven, and any unforgiven sin will be punished. I told you we can't we can't measure God's greatness, but we can respond to it. Response not just in worship though. Response not just in fear and reverence, but response in repentance. Because let me tell you, we're all answerable. We're all going to be answerable to a mighty, powerful greater God than we can comprehend. So if you're not saved, let me tell you, Jesus Christ can save you and wants to. He's already done all the work to save you. The only thing you have to do is submit yourself to the God that is greater than your sin. And you are in your sin. But let me tell you something too, Christian, that showed up here on Wednesday night. God sees your sin too. And you're going to be answerable for your sin. And you're just as responsible to repent for your sin as, any, as the person that's never given his life to the Lord. May God have mercy on our soul because he is greater. But because he's greater and because he proved his love, love for us by sending Jesus while we were still sinners, we know that we can count on the greatness of his love. Man, that's good preaching right there. Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He ain't tired. He's so great, he's never been tired a day or a moment or a second in all of eternity. People go, I don't want to bother God with that. It's, it's a small thing. I don't care what you got. It's a small thing to God anyway. Yeah, man, huh? I got cancer. Small thing compared to a big guy. It doesn't matter what your problem is. 
doesn't matter if it's the biggest problem anybody's ever carried in the history of the universe. The God of the universe is greater than that problem. And he's never grown tired of loving you. He's never grown tired of meeting your need. That is so good. I've tried to, I'm not trying to do anything today but comfort you. Let you know that you're this big. Oh, that's not a comfort to me. I think I'm a big deal. Well, you're jacked up because you're not that big a deal. But God's a big deal, and you're a big deal to him. So maybe you are a big deal. He continues, he gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. I don't know about you guys, but there are days I count on a God that doesn't get tired because I get tired, because I grow weary. And I praise God that to him who lacks, he increases power. Though even in youth grow weary and tired and vigorous, young men stumble badly. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. That wait means hope. For those who hope in the Lord will have their strength renewed. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. You know why? Because they're not walking. They're not running in their own power. They're running in his power. Because his power is greater and infinitely so. You can know that he holds you, lifts you, and raises you up on wings like eagles. That is to say, high above all of your problems. And strengthens you, loves you, takes care of you. I want to give you an opportunity to just set it down. Lay it aside and say, Jesus, thank you for being bigger. Thank you for being at the end of my problem there with your arms wide open. But those of you that are still going through your problems, can I encourage you to, to recognize that his arms are wide open right now? Caleb, I'm going to have you come back up and sing that song. We're going to end on that song today. But God is bigger, infinitely greater much more magnificently large than we can comprehend.